From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Slums of Jersey in Daytona Beach, Florida, this is Teeing Up presents the Sunday Sprint for Sunday, uh, January 21st, the year 2018. It is the weekend of the NFL Conference Championships. We welcome you inside. Mook, it's the day. It's here. Well, um, you know, hey, for us, second to last uh, time doing this this season, and for the Vikings, hopefully it's not the last time that they are on the uniform this year. We will get to that game. Be patient, be patient, be patient. We're going to go in order. Uh, So we will start with just past 3 o'clock in the east, noon out west. Jimmy and Tony and Tracy and Jay Feely with Jim and Mike in the truck will bring you Jags paths. Um, this game to me comes down to Tom Brady's hand. If his hand is okay, and Ian Rappaport reports that he threw it well in practice on Friday, and we get the regular gunslinging, throwing all over the place Tom Brady, I think this is a really fairly, not really easy, but fairly easy game for the Pats to win because I think they're a two-dimensional team that can run the ball, pass the ball effectively, and with a good enough defense to expose the weaknesses in Blake Bortles to ultimately slow this team down, even though the Jags will probably put up between 10 and 13 points. However, if Tom Brady's hand is not right and he winds up putting up between, you know, they only put up, you know, anywhere between 17 and 21 points, then I think you have a problem where the Jags can eke out a victory, a 20-17 to 17 type win, kind of ugly, and the Jags would go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, which would be something. Uh, for me, this comes down to the other quarterback. Now, Brady's hand could be the great equalizer, depending on how it is. I don't think it will be much of an issue, but we'll find out. Um, but for me, of course, it comes down to, to Blake Bortles, because what is Belichick and the Patriots so good at doing? It's, it's taking away the other team's um, best option, which is the run game for the Jaguars, and forcing you to do something else to try to beat them, and that's going to be in the hands of of Bortles. I expect the Patriots to stack the box early in downs to stop that run game, get them into third and long, so that uh, Bortles could be in big trouble. Uh, I think for the Jaguars, it's almost like you see teams in bowl games in the college level when you have a month to prepare, and you try to reverse all of your trends so that when your defense plans, the defense that you're going up against plans for uh, one thing, well, now you throw something else at them that you had a month to prepare and they weren't expecting. Obviously, the Jaguars didn't have that time frame, but uh, you know, this year during the regular season, their offense was actually its most efficient at times when they would throw in early downs and keep that defense off balance because everyone with Bortles are expecting runs on first and probably second down, and then you throw it on third and short, hopefully and get that conversion. Um, but for the Jaguars, they've been at their best at times when they've flipped the script and had Bortles throw the ball. So, you know, it depends on his confidence and what Blake Bortles shows up today and if he's able to make plays against the Patriots. But uh, I'm optimistic that the Jaguars can at least keep it close, if not potentially go in there and win just because of their defense. But I could also see it because it is the Patriots playing out kind of like that game last year for the Texans where the offense just couldn't do anything despite ample opportunities and eventually the Patriots offense was able to grind out points and eventually a pretty convincing victory. Leonard Fournette's ankle is huge in this game. If his ankle is good, and it, and it was good when he came back in the game last week against um, against Pittsburgh, um, I think that that's going to be a huge help if, if, if he is himself. If not, that's a lot of pressure on T.J. Yeldon, and I don't know if he can carry the load. 
I, I, I agree. Fournette needs to be able to go, and he needs to have the best game of really his career to this point. And I think the Jaguars would be better served as well to continue to move Blake Bortles around and get him out of the pocket and, and try to give him some options to run because in the postseason, uh, that's been their, their best success offensively. So that run game is, is huge, of course, because, well, it's their best weapon offensively, but also it keeps Brady and that defense, or uh, rather Brady and the offense on the sidelines. So, um, you know, you got to be able to run the ball, control the clock, but, you know, the Jaguars' defense, they're not the same on the road as they are at home, but as we know, they're one of the best in the league. They can pressure the front four, and they can get pressure up the middle, which is the type of pressure that always throws Tom Brady off, and if it helps, you have Tom Coughlin in that building as well. So um, it's a defense that could give the Patriots fit. I'm just not sure if Blake Bortles is going to be able to score many points at all. Who wins this game? I, I, I mean, I have to go... Patriots, but I will say, I think last I saw, they were favored by like nine or nine and a half. Uh, I think it could be closer than that. I agree. I totally agree. I think the Pats win this game 24 to 18. I think we somehow end up with 18 points for the Jags. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I'll say low scoring. Um, I'll do, uh, let me say, uh, I don't want to be too similar to you, so I'm going to go. I'll say uh, 24-14, I'll say. That is more than nine, but whatever. All right, we take a break to talk about the Career Builder Challenge. You've got this leaderboard of unproven young guys at the top of the leaderboard with um, with Austin Cook having a one-shot lead over Martin Piller and Andrew Landry. How do you see this playing out? Oh, you know, it's going to be an, an exciting finish where somebody's going to get a big win. Thanks, Luke. <laughs> so insightful. Um, how do you feel that for the first 30 minutes of your game, I will be double screening with golf? Wow, that is offensive. Offensive? Wow. Mm-hmm. Are you considering not doing the show in two weeks because of it? <laughs> no, that's okay. I'll let it slide. Hopefully by the time uh, you, you do commit your full attention to the game, hopefully the road team has a nice lead. Well, that would be um, that would be uh, something uh, to behold. We will see how this turns out. Um, when you look at this game, well, well, first of all, but before we talk about this game, let's go backwards. You get off to that great lead, seventeen nothing. The Saints come back. Your emotions take us into your viewing room. Yeah, it was uh, an incredible finish, of course. Um, you know, as the game was playing out, it was like any other typical Viking postseason game where they, they you know, uh, get out in front, they're doing so well, and then they, they let it slip away. And you can feel that. You know, the Vikings went up 17 nothing in the first uh, 20 minutes of that game. They were, they were totally dominating, and then they really stalled, and they, they couldn't put the Saints away. And so watching that, you knew by allowing the Saints to hang around that eventually they were going to make a run because Drew Brees and that offense is just too good. And uh, they were still up 17 nothing with 17 minutes to go. And then the, the tables really, really turned on them. And it was the Case Keenum interception. The Saints got their first touchdown right after Sandejo got hurt. Keenum throws a terrible interception. Just and, awful. Uh, at that point, just as you're starting the fourth quarter, that's when I really started to feel bad about the game and figure that, that it was all downhill from there. And so I wasn't surprised when the Saints then scored following that interception, soon took the lead. And uh, as a Vikings fan, you could almost see it all coming up until that final play. 
Uh, even when they kicked the field goal, you know, I felt there was obviously too much time left with a minute 40. There was. Uh, they got the big stop to keep the Saints, um, or to force them to kick the field goal. But never in my wildest dreams would I have guessed that the Vikings would pull that off, even down to the play itself. And uh, when it occurred, it was more shock than anything else. And the shock continued for probably the next 48 hours, still in disbelief that they actually pulled that off. Did you expect Diggs to go out of bounds? Take us through that last play in your head. Yeah, so I was sitting on the couch already, uh, you know, anticipating the end of the season. And when it happened, I I jumped up, but I was yelling at the TV to get out of bounds because, and talking to a few other people, you know, they all said the same thing. You couldn't see on the camera, the, the TV view, that there was no one beyond him. Right. And you figured there had to be on a play like that. So I was yelling for him to get out of bounds because there was still time they could have kicked a pretty reasonable field goal to win the game. And then when he kept going and you see that there is no one around uh, and then he's going to score, um, you know, that's when the, the craziness settles in. And I just kept repeating how I, I couldn't believe it. Um, all right. How do you see this game today? You've got uh, a, an Eagle team that really played well defensively, that held the Falcons to whatever it was, 15 points or some absurdly low number of points um, or, or 10 points, whatever it was. Just a really strong defensive game. The Falcons' red zone um, inefficiencies really came back to haunt them. But this is a team that can run the ball, that may get just enough offense, and is ferocious on defense. You guys have a great running game, but I was really impressed by your weapons. I mean, that's the biggest thing that I took from this game, seeing the Vikings for the longest duration of time for the whole season, is how well-balanced you are. So how do you see this game playing out? Um, I think Mike Zimmer said it best, and I've heard other people repeat it. When he said he thinks this game is going to come down to whichever team can run the ball better and whichever team takes care of the football, which the last part is an obvious statement. The Eagles this year, 10-0 and 0 when uh, they get two or more turnovers in a game, and they're just 4-3 and three when they don't. So um, when the turnovers aren't a huge difference, they're a pretty even team, a pretty uh, pedestrian squad. Um, being at home helps. That's really my biggest concern for uh, the Vikings to go into Philadelphia and win because the last eight home teams have won the conference championships at all times. 70% of home teams have won either the AFC or the NFC championships. So that in itself is a huge advantage. Throw in uh, the, that field, and despite the fact that they resodded the field this week, which really won't do much in such a short turnaround, um, you also have to look out for, for players slipping. That was a problem for the Falcons last week, while the Eagles were able to capitalize on yards after the catch. Uh, you look at Nick Foles, and only six of his passes traveled further than 10 yards last week. Uh, so it was a lot of short screen passes, run pass options, and getting yards after the catch. I expect a similar game plan today for the Eagles, where the Vikings, they're going to have to avoid being like the Falcons and slipping all over the place like Julio Jones on the final play of the game. But um, for me, you know, Foles, I just can't see Foles beating a Mike Zimmer defense. So if you can stop that ground game, or at least contain them, uh, I don't know how the Eagles are going to score a ton of points. And when you look at these games with Nick Foles, the last three games for the Eagles, they haven't reached 100 rushing yards. The ground game isn't as effective because you can stack the box. And the Eagles, with Nick Foles in the last three games, have scored uh, on 7% of their drives. It was at 28% with Wentz. So they're scoring a quarter of the amount of points with Nick Foles over the last three games as they were with the 13 games with Wentz or whatever it was. So um, I don't know where the, the points come from for the Eagles. Just hopefully the Vikings take care of the football. Case Keenum can make enough plays and guys can stay on their feet. 
and uh, try to grind out a victory because that Eagles defense is certainly tough. We saw Alabama win the national title game because Nick Saban made a big move and went to a backup quarterback in a playoff game, in the game. Do you think there's a chance we see Sam Bradford today? I, I'll say there's there's always a chance, and I felt the same way last week. I felt more confident about it last week uh, because, for one, it was at home. It's indoors. Uh, Bradford was going up, or rather the Vikings were playing a team that Bradford absolutely torched during the season. Um, with the Eagles team, it was a different year, but last year Bradford had probably his worst game of the year against the Eagles, and they said after the game that from just practicing with Bradford, they knew his weaknesses, and they threw some things at him that he hadn't seen all season, and it really threw him off his game. Uh, you're outdoors, you're in Philadelphia. It's a tough situation to just jump into when you haven't played in so long. Um, and then uh, additionally, just how last week ended, it's tough to pull Keenum because even when things don't seem like they're, they're going well, after the way you pull out that win last week, now as a team, mentally, you should always have the feeling like, hey, you know, we're not out of this game because last week... Everyone counted us out with 10 seconds. We found a way to win. So I don't know if you can pull Keenum after what he did last week. And people are already talking about because of that play, the Vikings have to give him an extension, which I think is silly for one play, but um, just speaks to the, the magic around him right now. And that'd be a tough, tough move to make. Um, uh, it's interesting to me that the Vikings are here. Because the Vikings, and we've talked about this off-air, are such that thin line. You look at all the close losses last year, all the what-ifs last year, the injuries this year. You got here unexpectedly because of Case Keenum, the running game, and the offense, and a defense too. But obviously the offense being multidimensional with a surprising performance from Case Keenum. And three quarterbacks. Three distinct quarterbacks with unique histories. And going 2-1 in a special situation is a very college move, but it may happen if the moment overwhelms Case Keenum. What did I say last week? Would, the, would, would this moment be too much for Case Keenum? And I think there's a definite chance he goes to a backup because the moment may be too big. Sam Bradford hasn't been in this spot either, so I don't quite know how that would equate to a win uh, if, if it's the moment, but if it's ineffectiveness, I could definitely see a move, and uh, that would be a gutsy spot for Mike Zimmer, who waited a long time to get into this position. Yeah, absolutely. And this could be the first time in Zimmer's career as a head coach that he may have all three quarterbacks active. He hasn't ruled that out yet, so maybe Bridgewater will be suited up as well. For Keenum, uh, just take care of the football. You can't have that terrible interception like you had last week. Not sure what he was thinking there. Maybe he'll learn from it. And uh, take the, the simple stuff. The Eagles defensively, they, they don't uh, they take away the big plays. They'll give the underneath stuff. And the Vikings have uh, some of the best receivers in the league in getting yards after the catch. So, you know, don't be afraid to, to go the dink and dunk approach and let your guys dig and feel and make plays like you did last week on that final drive. And, and I think Keenum can be okay um, and get enough points on the road to be able uh, to beat that, that Eagles defense. Well, what happens today? I'll say this for the Vikings. In 14 of their wins this year, in 10 of the 14 wins this year, they've gotten a lead by 16 points or more like they did last week. And if you do that today against Foles and uh, this this offense, then I think you're sitting very pretty if you're the Vikings. So jump out to a quick lead, get that crowd out of it, try to get the run game out of it. And I don't think Foles will be able to come back like Breeze did last week. Uh, I like the Vikings' chances. 
Uh, my biggest concern, like I said, is just the fact that it's on the road. If, if this was in Minnesota, the Vikings would be almost a double-digit favorite, according to Vegas, which is pretty hard to believe. So go out there, take care of the football, play your game, and the Vikings will have a great chance to win. Will we be talking to you from Minneapolis in two weeks? <laughs> if the Vikings uh, find a way to win today and get to have a home Super Bowl, I would love to be there in two weeks, but I'm not sure if I'll be able to make that work. Well, all right. Uh, are you are you picking the Vikings? If I had to pick a team, then yes, I'll go. Okay. I'll go Vikings. But uh, does it scare you that I am about to pick the Vikings? Wow! Look at you. Yeah. So. Hopefully, that's not the the kibosh. If if you lose today, how long do I have to wait to talk to you? Am I going to next talk to you like on the show two weeks from today? Uh, that's a good question. I'm trying to, you know, I was trying to think about that this weekend. It's kind of different. In 2009, it was a different situation because I thought the Vikings won, they were winning the Super Bowl this year, and we'll see what happens in the AFC, but, you know, it's going to be tough to go up against the Patriots. So even if they win today, it's almost like, uh... This uh, is all, yeah, and, and it's also a joyride. This was so unexpected, um, right. that I think this is more of a joyride Super Bowl than a, you are the one expected to be there, oh, wait. You know, stuff happened on 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 the way to the you know, ball type deal. Right. Yeah. Oh, and that's a, that's a good point. I will say though, last week before that final play, I was devastated. So I'm sure if they do lose today, I'm still going to be very upset for a long time. That's Luke. He's a Vikings fan. This is the Sunday Sprint. Luke, we're at the end of our show. Ah. Uh... I thank you, sir. Um, good luck today. I think we're headed towards the Vikings-Patriots Super Bowl with the Vikings playing at home. By the way, you know this. I'm not sure if the people out there know this. The AFC was supposed to be the home team for the Super Bowl. And the, and the NFC team was supposed to use the visitor locker room, practice out of the University of Minnesota. Um, and, and the AFC team was going to practice from the Viking facility, use the Viking locker room, etc. If the Vikings win today, that flips and they will get to use their own facilities. And I hope we have that situation where it has to flip, but we'll find out. That is the Sunday Sprint. Enjoy your championship Sunday, Luke, and uh, enjoy everybody's championship Sunday. Skull. (laughs) You had to put that in, didn't you? (laughs) (laughs) See you, everybody.